If you'll turn your bulletin over, you'll see the notes we're going to be going over this morning. We're in a New Year's series called Every Day, where we're looking at the most famous prayer ever prayed. And this prayer is so famous that my guess is everybody in the room has heard it maybe numerous times in church services and locker rooms and 12-step meetings. It's commonly called the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer. But in this very familiar prayer, these 66 words, is something that often gets overlooked. And that is that in this prayer, Jesus really gives us an overall picture of what life with God and for God looks like. And so we've been learning as we've been working our way through this prayer that there's just a wealth of help here in this prayer for living the very best lives that we can in 2020. This is one of the greatest treasures, this prayer, that has ever been given. And so we're just making our way phrase by phrase through the prayer. And this morning we come to what might be considered the most, you know, common sounding of the phrases give us our daily bread sounds like something you'd pray right for a meal you know and uh, it's a nice it's a nice phrase but like like everything else we're learning about in this prayer there is so much more here to these words and what we tend to think about give us this day our daily bread so I just want to begin by sharing some benefits of not just praying this prayer but really learning to live this prayer in the way you you live each day one thing it'll do is it will reduce your anxiety. Are you worried about anything right now? Maybe, maybe about something tomorrow that's going to be happening, maybe something just beyond your control that you're worried about, something you know is not going away anytime soon. But as you pray this prayer, give us our daily bread. Lord, I'm going I'm to trust you for today. I'm going to live for you today and then trust you for tomorrow and the day after that. And you just really approach your days in this way it'll it'll help you overcome worry that's one of the benefits it'll also increase your contentment because as you pray this prayer it'll just help you appreciate each day and what what you have each day that as you find yourself praying give us our daily bread it's like you begin to think you know what I actually have bread for today I've, I've actually got even more than my daily bread. I've got some hamburger and I've got some macaroni and some frozen pizzas in the freezer, you know, and I've actually, you know, there's people around the world that don't, don't have daily bread. And so God, help me not to complain. Help me to be content, even if my meat's a little bit tough, you know, and there's lumps in my potatoes, you know, and things. And it just, it just increases our contentment as we, as we live this prayer. It also enhances our appreciation for each day because as we, as we pray for our daily bread, it, it, it helps us, I think, come to appreciate that really we just, we just have today. We don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. James says it this way, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So when you pray for your daily bread, you're saying, God, help me to really live today in the fullness of this day, to appreciate your goodness in this day. And it just, again, enhances your appreciation for every day. Something else it does is it replenishes your spiritual energy. Jesus said man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we ask not just for physical bread, but we ask for spiritual bread each day, for the, the bread of the Holy Spirit to face the pressures and the, and the responsibilities that we have each day. So there's just, I mean, there's just so much importance to these words and the way in which we, 
we live every day. I want to share a statement with you here about this prayer. It's this, that this prayer is about radical dependency upon God. That this is the way we seek to live every day. And, and when you think about this word dependency or dependence, that's not necessarily a word that really excites a lot of Americans or, you know, that conjures up good thoughts. When you think of the word dependence, what comes to mind? Maybe chemical dependency, codependent, being dependent upon somebody. About the only thing I could really think of that's, that's good about the word when you think about it is that we do get to claim our children as dependents on our taxes, you know, each year. So that's a good thing, but beyond that, what really... I mean, really, as a society, we're, we're, we're focused more on the opposite of this word, independence. That's a value that resonates with us, self-sufficiency. The founding doctrine, a document of our country is the declaration of independence. And so, see, this is, this is more what we tend to, to work toward, toward independence and strive toward. And when somebody becomes wealthy, they're financially independent and and so independence more is a value that we esteem in our culture. But as we live with a sense of self-sufficiency, we're actually living in stark contrast to the way God designed us to live. Jesus put it like this in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's pretty straightforward there. Now, I guess... You might read those words as like a put down. Man, you're, you're so weak and worthless. You can't do anything without me, you know. Read it like that. But I think John Eldridge has the right take on Jesus' intent here. He says, Jesus is not berating us or mocking us or even saying this with a sigh all the while thinking, boy, I wish they'd pull it together and stop needing me so much. Not at all. We are made to depend on God. We are made with, for union with God and nothing about us works right without it. I love that, you see. So living with a sense of dependency upon God, it's not a crutch for the weak. It's not something that we in, in any way should be ashamed of or try to ignore. No, this is how we were made to live. This is the way God designed us to live. And so when we pray, give us our daily bread, we're saying, God, I recognize I am dependent upon you for the very breath that I breathe, the food that I will eat today. Everything that I have, God, has come from you. For from you and through you and for you, God, are all things, including my life, you see. What James Cash Penny would tell about how the majority of his life he primarily focused on making money. He writes, when I worked for $6 a week at Jocelyn's Dry Goods Store back in Denver, it was my ambition to be worth $100,000. When I reached that goal, I felt a temporary satisfaction, but it soon wore off and my sights were set on becoming worth $1 million. So he and his wife worked very hard to expand their business. But then one day, Mrs. Penny got sick. She came down with pneumonia and eventually took her life. When she died, he writes, my world crashed about me to build a business, to make a success in the eyes of men, to accumulate money. What was the purpose of life? Could money bring back my wife? I felt mocked by life. And after several other painful experiences, J.C. Penney found himself financially ruined in deep despair. And it was at that point in his life that he made the decision 
to turn his life over to Jesus Christ and just begin living every day for God. Later, he wrote these words. I had to pass through the fiery ordeals before reaching glimmerings of conviction that it is not enough for men to be upright and moral. I was brought to a humility and the knowledge of dependence on God. Sincerely and earnestly seeking God's aid, it was forthcoming and a light illumined my being. I cannot otherwise describe it than to say it changed me as a man. And so J.C. Penney came to a place in his life where he began not just to pray these words or give us our daily bread, but really begin to live these words, to live out these words of dependency upon God, and it just changed it. It transformed him. Well, I want to ask you to think about where you are right now at this point in your life and what your daily needs are, what, what would come to mind when I say, well, what are the daily needs that you have? that you need to depend upon God for. I sharing with a woman here just a few weeks ago that lost her husband, you know, the love of her life. And what she needs daily from God right now is his comfort, his compassion to be able to deal with the heartache and the loss, the grief she's dealing with. Maybe you have a loss right now, and that's, that's what you need daily from God as well. I have a friend that's struggling with kidney failure. What he needs every day right now from God is hope, a sense of hope in, in looking to the future, not just for himself but for his wife to be the husband he needs to be, to, for his children to be the father he needs to be. Maybe you have a, a health issue right now, a physical limitation in your life where you need, you need from God just that, 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 that sense of hope that, that, you, you are, that God is with you right now. But what is your daily need? Maybe you need wisdom in your work for the decisions that you make in your job every day. That would be a daily need. Maybe you need patience you're in a marriage right now that is not what you had hoped it would be. You need a, a daily patience and a grace for that relationship. But what, what is your daily need, would you say? Maybe you need strength to overcome. That you're dealing with an addiction right now. You're, maybe you're, you're needing strength to stay away from a relationship. Or to, you're dealing with a sin issue in your life. You need the, the strength to be able to overcome, to resist that temptation but what what is your daily need maybe you're dealing with depression loneliness or a sense of hopelessness and you just need daily this sense that that God is with you that he'll take you through this valley that you're in right now emotionally help you get to the other side God will be there for you but you've got to depend upon him maybe <clears throat> right now there's an emptiness on the inside, a dryness spiritually, and what you need from God is just a sense of, of, of faith to just be honest with God and say, God, I need, I need to, to see you. I, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I'm dealing with some doubts or whatever. And, but what is, what is your daily need, your daily bread? You see, the point is that daily bread is not just about food. Now, it can be about food. And for a lot of people in the world, it is about, I need food for today. But for, for uh, us in learning to not just pray but live this prayer, it's about what, 
what are the necessities of your life right now? Physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, what do you need from God? Give us this day our daily bread, God. We are dependent upon you. How do we move from living independently to a place of, of total dependency, radical dependency upon God? I've got four thoughts that I want to share with you about living out this part of the Lord's Prayer. And the first one is this, that we just ask God to care for, for us each day. I mean, we just, we just come out and we, we do what Jesus is telling us to do here. See, God wants us to learn to see him as our provider for all of our needs. And so when Jesus says, this then is how you pray, our Father, give us this day our daily bread, He's saying, I want you to see God as the source of your supply. That whatever your needs are, that God is your source. I, I love the heart of God that Jesus represents in these next verses that I want to share with you from Matthew 7, where Jesus says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Those are powerful words. Jesus is saying here, listen, you human parents, you're not, you're not perfect, but if you have a son or daughter that comes up to you and genuinely says, Mom, Dad, help me. I need your help. Who among us would say, I'm not going to help you? I, no, I don't have any interest in doing that. If that's how we human parents are, how much more will our Father in heaven be eager to help meet our needs as well? Because He is a perfect parent. His love for you and me is perfect. And so you can trust Him to care for your needs, to provide for you what you need as you need it. Please hear me. There is nobody on this planet that God wants to help more than you, to help provide for your needs more than you. And there's nothing in the heart of God that would cause him to want to withhold something from you that would be good for you. So when you come into the throne room of God through Jesus Christ, when you come into his courts with prayer and seeking your needs to be met, just know he welcomes you. He welcomes that. He is eager to listen to you and to provide for your needs. Now, how frequently... Are we to come to God and to ask Him to provide for us, to express this dependency upon Him? Did Jesus say, give us our weekly bread, God. You know, give us our monthly bread. When I'm in a tight spot, give me my bread there at that point. No, it's, it's day, this is an everyday way of praying and living. And there's that great example of this for us in the story of the people of Israel as God leads them out of slavery in Egypt. And he leads them through the wilderness to the promised land where every day he just supernaturally provides manna for them, their, their, their daily bread. They were to come out in the morning and see on the ground in this white substance. I kind of picture like mushrooms or something. And they were together what they needed for that day. The Bible says it was like wafers that tasted like honey, kind of like graham crackers they were to take, and, and they were to take it for that day. But just for that day, unless it was the day before the Sabbath, they were not to collect more than that day. They were not to try to hoard it. They were not to try to store it up. And if they did that, what would happen would be overnight, 
God would cause maggots to just infest that manna. It would get this putrid smell. They wouldn't want to have nothing to do with it. Why why did God do that? Because he wanted to teach his people to trust him every day, to walk by faith, not by sight, to not presume upon his provision. And that's the same message he has for us as well as his children, to just depend daily upon him to provide for whatever it is that we need. He doesn't want us to to try to presume upon his his provision where we kind of put him on the back back burner. I I came across some words from from D.L. Moody that I think are helpful here where he says, a person can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs to, to sustain life for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace and His provision from day to day, you see, as we need it. So to live a life of total dependency really begins with just just doing what Jesus says, where we ask Him daily, Lord, please care for my needs. I look to You. I am dependent upon You. Second, then, to learn to live with this radical dependency upon God, we need to appreciate His provision every day. And as you do that, as you intentionally seek to do that, you will find yourself more and more recognizing His provision, His goodness in your life, and and that you can have confidence in depending upon Him. I like this next verse. I think it's a, a good representation of the spirit of living in this way where the psalmist writes in chapter 118, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The L.A. Times reprinted an essay by Ann Wells that I want to read to you. She writes, my brother-in-law opened the bottom drawer of my sister's bureau and lifted out a tissue-wrapped package. He discarded the tissue and handed me her slip. It was exquisite silk, handmade, trimmed with a cobweb lace. The price tag with an astronomical figure on it was still attached. Jan bought this the first time we went to New York, he said. At least eight or nine years ago, she never wore it. She was saving it for a special occasion. He took the slip from me and put it on the bed with the other clothes that we were taking to the mortician. His hands lingered on the soft material for a moment, and then he slammed the door shut, and he said, Every day you are alive is a special occasion. I remembered those words to the funeral and on the days that followed when I helped him and my niece attend to all the sad chores that follow an unexpected death. And those words changed my life. I'm not saving anything. We use good china and crystal for every special event, such as losing a pound or getting the sink unstopped or the first camellia blossom. Someday, in one of those days, are losing their grip on my vocabulary. If it's worth seeing or hearing or doing, I want to see and hear and do it now. I'm trying not to put off, hold back, or save anything that would add laughter or luster to our lives. And every morning when I open my eyes, I tell myself, this is a special day. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We're saying, God, help me to appreciate your goodness in this day, to live this day fully out with you and for you, you see. Third then, to learn to really live with a radical dependency upon God, you're going to need to trust Him to answer in His own way. 
God tells us through the prophet Isaiah about himself, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So living with radical dependency upon God in your life involves just resting in the knowledge that his ways are higher, that his ways are better, often, often bigger than what you have in mind as you bring your requests in life to him. And I love the story, the example we have of Paul about this, where he, he writes to the church in Rome this letter, and at the beginning of the letter he includes these words. He writes, I pray that now at last by God's will the way may be open for me to come to you, because one of his greatest ambitions was to go to Rome and preach the good news of Jesus Christ there in Rome, because Rome was the capital of the Roman Empire. Rome was the most significant city in the world, you see. Did God answer that prayer of Paul? Yes, he did. But let's look at how he answered. Luke writes this in Acts 28, 16. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Not what Paul had in mind, I think, when he wrote that letter to the church in Rome. He was under house arrest. He got to Rome as a prisoner. That's how we got there. Who helped him get there? Felix, Agrippa, Caesar, these Roman leaders, you see. And the point is, sometimes God answers our prayers through the most unusual people, the most unusual circumstances. Paul, he wanted to go to Rome to preach. Why did God want Paul in Rome? Well, I think at least in part to write. And under house arrest, he had this extra time on his hands. So he writes some very important letters that end up making their way into the New Testament scriptures. Paul was such an activist, I just wonder if maybe God felt like, you know, the only way I can get this guy to slow down enough to write <laughs> these important words is, would be for him to be in jail. Paul wanted to make an impact upon the world for Jesus. What made a greater impact, preaching in Rome or writing a good bit of the New Testament scripture, you see? God's ways are best. His ways are higher. And so we learn then to, to trust as we bring our requests and needs before him to answer our prayers in his ways as he sees best. And then last, to, to live radically dependent lives upon God, we also need to be partnering with him in meeting the needs of others. I think one of the most significant things about the Lord's Prayer that we overlook is that all of the pronouns are in the plural. We don't find I or me or mine anywhere in the prayer. It's always us. It's our, you see. And so when we pray, give us our daily bread, we're praying not just for our own bread, but with an understanding about our responsibility and help, helping you know, God provide bread for others in the world as well. That... Uh, when we pray for our daily bread, that this prayer is, not, is, is to be an unselfish prayer where we're mindful of others and we're looking how God might want to, to work through us to help provide for the needs of those around us. Our bread is not to be, you know, just ours to hoard. We read in 1 John 3, 17, if anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So he wants us to be like him. God is so generous 
So he provides our bread, not just for ourselves, but that we might help others as well. I think if we, we start praying for our daily bread instead of my daily bread, this will, will open our eyes up to this part of living out these words. I like what Rick Warren writes here. He writes, when you're stingy with your time, your money, your effort, it means you really don't believe that God's going to provide for you. So you've got to hoard it. You've got to hold on to it. You can't give it away. If I'm absolutely convinced that God is the source of my supply, He is my need meter, then it's easier for me to give money to help that poor person down the street. It's easy for me to give time and money to an orphanage in Mexico. It's easy for me to tie 10% of my income because God is my source. So as we pray this prayer, we need to live in total dependency upon God while also being living proof to others that God can be counted on as well. Well, the last thing I want to share with you about this part of the Lord's Prayer is that we need to honor the sequence because I do believe there is a sequence as Jesus paints this overall picture of how to live. There, there's an order here. So before I pray, give us our daily bread, I am to pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. And sometimes I get this backwards, and I start with, my, with me, with mine, with my needs, my desires. And then when God doesn't answer in the way I wanted him to, I'm like, God, what happened? Why didn't you come through for me? And so it's so important that you and I, we, we recognize that the very first priority that God has in mind for us is that we are in relationship with him where he's leading. He's directing you and me into what his purposes and plans are in creating us. And so if I pray, God, give us our daily bread, but I ignore the preceding part of the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, that's sort of like saying, hey, Dad, can I borrow the car, but I'm not going to do what you say, you know? <laughs> and so... We are to pray, give us our daily bread with an attitude of submission and obedience to God like we talked about last week. That first we are to pray, Father, your kingdom come in my character and who I am on the inside. Father, your kingdom come at school, who I am there, or at work, who I am there. God, your kingdom come in my marriage, if you're married, and the kind of husband, the kind of wife that I am. Your, your kingdom come with my children the way in which I parent them, your, your kingdom come at work, your, your kingdom come at, at BSCC, when I'm a part of my spiritual family here and how I share and serve, your, your kingdom come in everything about my life, God. That, that Before I begin to ask you for anything, before I begin to seek for you to provide for my needs and my desires and my requests, God, I submit my life fully over to you. Have your way in me. Your kingdom come. You see, and it's under the umbrella of the lordship of Jesus Christ as we have submitted our will fully over to him that then we, we come and we say, give us this day our daily bread and we can have full, complete confidence that he will provide for our needs and he will care for us providing for every need as it corresponds, you see, to his will and plans for us. Well, next week, Nick's going to teach about the next part of the prayer.
which is, Father, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And we're going to learn about everyday forgiveness. As we look at 2020, I am confident every one of us in the room, this is going to be a part of the picture. If we're going to live the very best lives that God invites us to in Jesus Christ in 2020, it's going to involve everyday forgiveness. I want to I close with a story. Years ago, when a Native American boy would turn 13, a part of the passage into manhood for him would be they would take him out into the woods, they would blindfold him, and they would tell him he had to sit there through the night. He could not take the blindfold off until he felt the warmth of the sunlight upon him the next morning. And he just had to sit there and listen to all of the frightening sounds of the forest throughout the night. But then when he would take off the blindfold the next morning, the first thing that he would see would be his father just a few feet away that his father had been guarding him throughout the night. I love these words in Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. The Lord watches over your coming and going both now and forevermore. You see, in Jesus Christ, we have a Father who watches over us at all times, never slumbering or, or sleeping. And so when we pray, our Father, give us our daily bread. We're acknowledging, I need you, God. I need your help. This day, I need your strength. I need your provision. I need your protection. Every moment of this day, Father, I am dependent upon you. Let's go to him in prayer. We rejoice this morning, God, that you are faithful that we are able to rely fully and completely upon you to meet our needs. You've already taken care of the biggest need we will ever have. Our need for forgiveness. Our need to have our sins removed that we might be able to be reconciled to you. And be in a father-child relationship. That if you have done this for us and sending your only son Jesus to die on the cross for us. To take our place and pay for our sins. Surely we can trust you to provide for every other need that we have. And so I pray God for every one of us in 2020 that we will grow in our faith. That we will we will mature and, and become men and women who are fully, totally dependent upon you, God. That we will come to know that, that wonderful sense of, of peace and contentment that, that comes from understanding that you watch over our coming and going every single day. That you've made that promise to us. That you are a a loving Heavenly Father who is almighty, nothing is too difficult. That when we feel overwhelmed by something in 2020, we can know it's, it's, not, it's not beyond you. It's actually, it's actually small stuff compared to the, the size of your greatness and goodness. And I pray, God, that we would, we would be in step with you this coming year in a way that we would partner with you in helping to provide <clears throat> for, 
for the daily needs of others, whether that's friendship, whether that's prayer support, whether that's forgiveness, whether that's you know, financially in some way, wh whatever it looks like, God. Have your way in us. In our time of worship and prayer, we submit ourselves fully over to you. Your kingdom come, God. Your good and pleasing and perfect will be done. As we trust in you to provide for us, we honor you and praise you and want to glorify you with our lives. As we go into this year, Lord, this is our heart. This is our prayer together. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody agreed and said, amen.